Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing everybody a very good morning, afternoon, or evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning into today's podcast from. The podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage um and a very warm welcome to all of our podcast followers today um and two guests today joining us via one link so we've got a nice condensed screen for you for those of you watching the uh, the video version of the podcast joining us today we welcome pete air md of me too and sophie thomas marketing manager from me too guys thanks very much for joining us today hi there hi there great to be here um, on today's podcast, we'll be looking at how platforms such as Spotify, Vine, um, and YouTube have changed audience engagement forever. Um, that sounds like a bit of a bold statement when we say the word forever, particularly, but I think it's fair to say that most people listening to that statement would begin nodding their heads. And if they've even got a vague understanding of how audiences engage and interact at events, they would um, realize that actually, without delving too deeply into it, that is very much a true statement. Um, before we look at that, I suppose, in a wider context, um, let's just introduce people to, to me too, first of all, Pete. Um, for those of you who haven't come across you guys before, tell us about what it is that you guys do. Hi there. Well, um, Me Too is a real-time polling and Q&A app. Um, it's used throughout uh, higher education and throughout meetings and events, particularly in employee comms. And it's, it's basically the modern incarnation of the audience response system that's obviously been around for probably 25, 30 years now, which started out with the uh, clicker devices, which were handed out to people and they could vote one, two, three or four. And of course, we live in a world where everything, everything is done through your phone and and that's exactly what it is now. And by being done through a phone, um, it takes it to another level. So it allows people to, to vote, to feedback, to ask questions, um, and allows them to do that not just in the room, but from anywhere in the world. Um, as long as they're on a device with a browser, they can access those meetings. And uh, our offering is, is focused on being incredibly simple to use, running through a browser or through PowerPoint, um, and uh, just being accessible anywhere in the world. So that's... Uh, that's kind of what we do in a nutshell. Uh, and when we, when we then, having established that nice and quickly and putting it back into context of what I said at the beginning of how platforms such as Spotify, Vine, YouTube have changed audience engagement, particularly when I look at something like YouTube, um, content uh, providers uh, and people you know have YouTube channels now have this brilliant ability not just to be able to broadcast themselves in really, really good quality to millions and millions of people globally, but also the ability to have very, very quick, sometimes instantaneous feedback about what they're actually delivering from a content point of view with things like um, YouTube Live or Facebook Live. Now we've got the ways of interacting with people um, in an unprecedented level where they can put questions and comments straight to you whilst you're broadcasting. And when we look at the question that I posed at the start of today's episode and how that ties in with you guys, is that very much where you see Me Too fitting in and, and how it dovetails with, with stuff that's happening on social media? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think for us, the kind of the way that we look at it is that platforms such as, as YouTube, particularly, like you mentioned, there's a sense of instant gratification now. The way that people search for information, ask questions, look for answers. You know, people don't have to pick up a phone anymore. People can just type into Google, how do I do this? Or how do I do that? And instantly they get the feedback they want and a number of different options to choose from. And then likewise, as someone who's broadcasting content, 
you've also got that option where if you if you're putting a, a pitch out there for a piece of content and you you just run with it and you go with it and it's all recorded live you're instantly getting that feedback from people do they like it do they not like it you know, are they using emojis as reactions mm. are they just putting thumbs up you know all of those sorts of things it's such an easy way to communicate now and i think it's hard to believe in some ways that we didn't always have that yeah, I, I grew up not having the internet for school and things like that. So now, when I speak to family and friends who are, you know, who are younger, and they say, "Oh, you didn't have YouTube? How did you know how to do anything?" Yeah, and it's like, well, we had to find out either through someone who had done it, and it took a whole lot longer. Whereas yeah. now, you're thirty seconds away, if you know, even less than that, away from finding an answer. Um, so I think, in terms of how how Me Too fits in with that, we, you know, we sort of we talk about instant feedback and live polling because it's in the moment. It happens right there and then. And the reaction is a, is a truthful reaction that you get from the audience, which mm. is hopefully obviously what event organizers and meeting organizers are looking for. They want that real feedback and that engagement. Yeah, and, and I suppose whilst we may almost sort of talk, I wouldn't say it's tongue in cheek when we talk about instant gratification, but actually when you translate that into an event environment where you have a presenter or maybe somebody delivering a keynote session, um, what they want to know is, was it engaging and did it deliver the right message to the audience? And what the organizer wants to know is, did I book the right keynote speaker? Did I book the right session host for that? And I suppose by utilizing a tool like Me Too and utilizing a way that they can actually monitor and see how many questions were put, what types of questions were put, how many people actually valued those questions and showed some feedback or a thumbs up to it. They can actually analyze whether or not they're putting together the right type of event, can't they? Absolutely. I think one of the, the key things we see and the, the parallel we see with um, the apps we just mentioned as well is the, the instant realization of value. And so we want instant, instant gratification, but actually uh, we don't have long to engage people. And in, in the old days of conferencing, you could trap them in a dusty conference room and build up to the, uh, the, the, the key part of the presentation that's interesting and everything else. Whereas nowadays, people have got phones in their hands, they've got their laptops in front of them. The presentation has to be engaging instantly. Um, yeah. If people are going to engage and give their feedback, they want to know that that feedback has been collected and will be reacted to instantly. And we see, um, for example, when people are asked at the start of a session what their understanding is or what their opinions are or what they would like to see responded to, sessions actually take shape during the session now rather than it being a survey that was done before or waiting until next year to improve it. And I think that's where we sort of related it to, you know, if you take the example, example of Spotify, um, mm. you listen to music now and you want that music you could probably give it two or three seconds before you skip to the next song. It's got to, a song has got to show you the value it's going to give you straight away to get you to commit to longer. In the old days, songs were written differently. You got a long introduction and build up and everything else, you know, Phil Collins in the air tonight, <laughs> up that final bit. These days, that wouldn't, no one would ever get to that bit on, on Spotify. They'd be like, what's this? I'll, I'll move on to the next. And I think that's something that we've taken in the design of our app is we know that um, organizers, uh, need to show that, that value straight away. And we need to provide a tool that will allow them to show that value straight away. So super seamless, allow people straight in and then give the audience that, that payoff straight away to get them engaged for the rest of the conference. You've just sent a shiver down my spine thinking that Stairway to Heaven may never have been written <laughs> in 2018 based, based on what you've just said. Um, uh, when we look at how uh, the, the actual um, interaction is physically displayed, you mentioned 
mentioned uh, at the start of the episode that there's an integration with um, with PowerPoint. Um, how does the actual display of the feedback uh, manifest itself in a live events environment? Yeah, so there's a couple of ways. I mean, the and this is the beauty of these systems now, now that they are run through a browser and on people's phones, either as an app or an HTML app, the scope of the meetings they can be used in is, is much broader. Mm -hmm. um, so you can even run the meeting without any kind of display because actually what you've got is, is the display comes back on people's phones. So in the most basic form, if you ask everyone to vote or feedback on uh, or ask questions, um, they will see all those responses appear back on their own device. So there's no need for a screen at all. Um, generally, though, they would be uh, shown on a, a projection screen or on a webinar screen, and that could be either a web page or, as we see, a lot of our clients use uh, run through PowerPoint. The beauty of PowerPoint being not only is it a display mechanism, but it's also a very stress-free way of running the presentation. Um, you've got your your voting poll polling slides in there, and it means your, your presentation doesn't need to be interrupted. You don't need to alt-tab or use switches or anything like that. You just press the presentation. And at that point, the animations actually pick up the voting. So an animation picks up opening a vote, allows everyone to respond. The pressing enter again closes the vote and then displays that on the PowerPoint screen and also back on everyone's device as well. So for those who may be more limited view, um, joining a meeting, on site on their phone they're still going to get that, that response as well on their screen in front of them so it's usually a combination of, of display methods to yeah give people that feedback i think as well because it's a standalone tool you've got that ability that if you're using software like GoToWebinar or other kinds of you know streaming or, or, or conference systems it doesn't interfere with that it just sits it's nicely alongside that so flexible for whatever kind of event you are running you've got an option that you can use we know we've university lecturers are using it for skype yeah so, you know it's yeah definitely accessibility is one of our one of our key things um how um I, I, I sense quick is it it maybe is the right term to to, to customize because every session will be completely different um I guess that there are ways to deploy uh, the system in a really simple way where it could just literally be a thumbs up or a thumbs down if somebody wanted it to be. But if somebody wanted to be more sophisticated, if people want to ask, um, you know, specific questions, is that just a case of them typing it in on the app or through the browser that they're accessing? How, how, how easily can you customize the system depending on the session? Yeah, literally, it's just as simple as if you're if you're running a session and you're asking or putting a question to the floor, you've got a choice. You can either set it up as a poll if you want to, or if you just want to ask people rather than doing show of hands, you can ask people to type things into the Q&A part of the app. And then instantly you can choose to either have those answers appearing up behind the speaker. And again, as Pete said, they all get reflected back on, on the person's device who's sitting in the audience. Um, it literally takes seconds. Like we we sort of half-heartedly joke about it that it takes seconds, but it literally does. Um, it just it just depends on whatever the organizer wants to do. They can create polls on the fly if they want to, or if they are using a, a more formal presentation method through PowerPoint, we've got um, an option in the PowerPoint add-in that we have that we've created, which is literally you can convert a slide of bullet points into a poll with literally the touch of a button. So we've tried to keep it as, as friction-free as possible when uh, when we're looking at the timing of sessions something that's occurred to me whilst we've been having this, this discussion is that um there is whether people like it or, or not i i think it would be personally fair to say that there's a very sort of standardized way of formatting 
conferences particularly you know you have your session time so let's say it starts at 10 a.m and the session finishes at 10 40 it will be 30 minute presentation 10 minute q a now mm. with systems like this that are allowing people to flourish and answer ask questions and put stuff you know and create potentially a long list of questions that could be put to a speaker or to a panel have you seen any instances where organizers are reformatting their timings because they've suddenly realized actually it's now not possible to fit in all the questions into that 10 minute slot we need to actually rethink how we do all our timings yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we've seen that right to the point where actually presentation slots have been um, completely taken out and, and replaced with panel sessions. Um, right. I think, look at a lot of conferences, what most people really want to hear is real stories, real anecdotes, and, and ones that are relevant to them. And so when you've got a panel session, there's nothing more relevant than, than asking that panel some questions, uh, getting to like those to the top, sort of democratise the process of what's going to be answered, and then and then hear those anecdotes. So we see that a lot, um, and, but we also do see the, the more traditional format that you just talked about there, just being used more wisely. And if there's 10 minutes for Q&A at the end, um, we just don't any have those sort of awkward silences where no one's got a question, <laughs> or the awkwardness of lots of people having a question, and who on earth do you pick? And it's quite, it puts the speaker on the spot. So we generally have a speaker that um, as soon as they go to Q&A, they already have the most popular questions in front of them. The audience aren't feeling frustrated that they're not going to get to ask them because they've asked them at any point during the presentation, but without breaking the flow of it. And actually, when that happens, that's what can push out the Q&A time at the end. So it stops that happening as well. And yeah, often, we don't get to answer, or they don't get to answer as many questions as they like, but hopefully they've answered the most relevant. They also have the other ones stored and can make a commitment to answering them at a later date. Um, but one really nice thing we see and is that it does also operate as a bit of a back channel. And people are used to sort of two-screen viewing these days. And for some people, they need two-screen viewing to be engaged, whether it's watching a TV program, watching Bodyguard last week and watching it on Twitter at the same time <laughs> as I was. That's exactly how I like watching that's that's the attraction of live tv and i think the attraction of live events sometimes is the audience around you using that back channel and what we see um is some great questions but also people within the audience coming back with some some great comments on those questions mm. and sometimes doing part of the job or, or some of the job uh, for the speaker so it's, it's another dimension and, and you are you know, you're harnessing the uh, the intelligence in the room there one thing that you very, very, sorry, Sophie, one thing you very, very briefly touched on, and, and I don't know if we can expand on it a bit more, if you have any comments, is, um, is the follow-up from any unanswered questions, because you actually preempted what I'd scribbled down here a few moments ago when you touched on it, and um, that was one thing I was going to ask, because one, one thing that... Um, events strive for now is ongoing content. They're in a constant battle with other events in a very, very crowded marketplace, regardless of what sector they're servicing. And one thing that everybody's agreed on is there has to be ongoing content being fed out there throughout the year for an annual event to still keep in people's minds. And, and this sort of system here is potentially going to offer a way to generate ongoing content. If you've got a long list of unanswered questions and you've got a presenter who's happy to do so, you've got the ability there to actually answer those questions over a prolonged period of time. Yeah, definitely. I think it also helps with, with event partnerships as well, particularly if you've got you know, either sponsors or exhibitors or co-sponsors or co-located events where you've got the same person organising it, but there's kind of different facets to it. Mm -hmm. It's then got that option where 
um, particularly with, with me too as well with the anonymity options people can submit these questions and there's no worry of fear of retribution of all oh, this person said this about this if as event organizers you've got all that information that it is like a blank slate where you can say okay could we make this into a, an online event that's a webinar that we could host could we make yeah. it into an email course, for example, if you're wanting to like you know, help people understand how they can make events better, maybe create an online e-course that people can sign up to. Literally, once you've got that information that's been crowdsourced, you can do you know, whatever you like with it. And particularly if you've chosen the anonymity option, you've got no worry of offending anyone or treading on anyone's toes. It's your information that you've gathered as the event organizer. It's then completely up to you what you do with it. And I think what I was kind of going to add to your, your point previously, where other people at events are answering other people's questions in the Q&A feed, yeah. I think going back to the kind of the question that we're asking at the beginning about audience engagement is that people are more engaged in the content they create themselves. If they've had a hand in creating it, then ultimately people do feel more engaged and more inclined to re-engage at an event or with an event organiser where they felt like, oh, brilliant. Like, I really feel like that was interesting to me and I got to contribute and I feel like my contribution was heard and welcomed. And then if in two months' time they happen to see that that event organiser is doing a webinar on the exact topic that they fed into the Q&A board, I mean that's kind of event gold really isn't it it, it, it is and certainly from a content point of view um i've been in situations before where i've facilitated conferences and you go to the q a and nobody's got a question mm. but you know full well that if you just get one question from one person the likelihood is that will trigger questions from other people in that room um and and to me, what this is doing and this sort of service is, is not so much eliminating that prospect because if you get a terrible, terrible audience, you still run the risk of potentially, you yeah. know, having, but what you are doing is opening up the possibility of other questions from other people by reducing the possibility of having nobody wanted to put their hand up and speak down the microphone. Um, the, the other sort of angle to that, that I wanted to ask you is, is pre event. Um, I guess there's no reason why a system like yours couldn't be deployed before an event, if you've got a synopsis of, of a particular session that people couldn't be asking their questions actually before the session's even begun or even before the day of the event itself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen this in, in several ways. I mean, there's, there's a survey feature, so you can send out some self-paced polls in the, in the days or the hours leading up to a meeting to say, you know, what's most important to you and help set the agenda. Mm -hmm. um, and that can be really useful for that purpose. I mean, another way we've seen that work really well is if you're holding this for a group of 30 people, well, the volume of um, information coming in is probably very easy to handle in the moment. But we also, we, we did a, a, a town hall for a global business recently, and they invited 100,000 employees to the meeting and, and to contribute in this way. Um, but clearly, that's, that's a, a lot of questions coming in. Yeah. Great for live polling, but for questions, that's going to be a huge amount. So what they did was they opened the Q&A before the meeting, so they had a chance to kind of filter it, group it and then feed it back in, allow people to like uh, a more limited set of questions because a lot of them were on similar themes. So allow them to handle it, set the agenda for the meeting and then they open it for, for live questions during as well. But it just gave them that management because I think one of the things that people fear with uh, or might fear with a system like this is, you know, how will I manage it all? And I think that's, that's the point. You, there's different management features in there. For a small meeting, it kind of manages itself. For maybe a more difficult subject, you might want to put moderation on and have someone yeah. there and filtering what's coming in. Um, 
but actually for most of the meetings we do moderations off and, and it, it, it really does manage itself including people actually contributing back to the questions in there just to expand on what you said there about um, about filtering or, or, or grouping similar questions, you know, if you do have a large audience and there are a lot of people wanting to all put forward the obvious question and they've all been good enough and interactive enough to go on and, and type their question in, is it a case of manually grouping stuff together or is there an algorithm or some sort of filtering process that you can input in order to put certain criteria in so that if a question includes this keyword, it gets grouped into that particular group over there? Um, it's a great question. I mean, there isn't an algorithm for it uh, yet. Um, that's exactly the kind of conversations we're having. Um, but it, it depends on the scale. I mean, the liking um, is the simplest way of doing that. And I think that's the, the beauty of liking questions at the top is mm -hmm. people may have not logged into this app before, but people just know what to do. And I think that's part of the design of this, this, this app is we've tried to embrace people's behaviors rather than change their behaviors. People use apps all day, every day. So when they log into our app, they should be able to use similar behaviors to get the result they expect uh, from it. And I think that's where liking really helps. Uh, I think that's where managing um, the sort of survey questions at the start and being able to yeah, uh, manually put those into, into different sort of buckets. Yeah. Uh, and managing that way, yeah. And, and just going back to what we were saying earlier about, uh, you gave the example of, of songs, you know, you've got to capture people within the first couple of seconds, otherwise they're just going to skip to the next one. Um, I guess that's the same when they're now using a, a, an app, you know, if they can't figure out how to use something yeah. within five or 10 seconds, unless it's really intuitive and it's in exactly the same format or style that they're used to using, they're quickly going to get fed up with it and just close it down and not use it. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. And that's where we... You know, we're constantly fine-tuning, working with customers, working with end users, just to see if there's anything we can tweak or if there's anything changed in the way people are interacting with their phones and with their apps that we need to be aware of to make sure that happens. Because um, for meeting organisers, they, they want maximum adoption. Um, and I think it, it's a combination of things, but a really important part of that is just having you know, a great UI that people just get as soon as they go in there and, and resisting the temptation to have a million gimmicky features and actually focusing on the core value and the core proposition of the product. Mm. Uh, well, I, I was just going to say, no, I was going to say, sorry to talk over you. One of the things that we, from the way that observing how people use their phones in meetings or events, um, is people do get easily distracted and you can't stop that. You know, you can't make people physically lock their eyes to the stage and not look at anything else. People are very busy and they, they very much are very choosy about what they give their time to. And um, one of the things that we talked about here for a long time was adding a minimized poll feature, mm -hmm. which is within the app, if, if live polling is taking place and you answer the poll, or maybe you don't want to answer the poll, you can dismiss the poll so that it's not the main, it's not taking over your phone screen. You can choose to either type a question into the Q&A board, for example, or browse through the other questions or comments that have been made in the Q&A. And that feature kind of, it came out of a request and it was developed over time until we felt it was appropriate to release it. And now we have released it. It's not, wasn't like a major fanfare of a release, but it's a small thing like that that's made such a difference to the way that even in meetings when we use it here, yeah. if, if you've taken part in the poll and you've done your bit and you want to add a comment, that little tiny feature of being able to just minimise that poll massively increases the time span and the engagement that you have with what's in front of you. It does, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, 
I'm conscious of time today and I've got sort of a, a list of things that I want to, to fire at you. And I, and I always say to our guests on the podcast that it's never going to be a, a Q&A, a Paxman Q&A. But um, the more I get into this, this particular topic, I am finding myself jotting things down. We've, we've mentioned uh, the, the PowerPoint product um, and, and that there's an integration with, with PowerPoint, which I think is, is fair to say, regardless of what other people's particular opinions are, is the most common software platform that's used to deliver presentations isn't it, it, it it's, it's it's been a global leader for a long long time but more and more people are using other platforms mac users will be familiar with keynote there are things like google slides that, uh, you know android users and google users are using now prezi um have you looked at those other platforms as well and and is there a, a difficulty in uh syncing with those or is there a possibility that that could become accessible as well by your own platform yeah i mean like i said there's several out there now i mean powerpoint by a country mile is, is still the most used uh, presentation platform which is why we we focused on that mm -hmm. uh, that said not all of our customers use powerpoint we have a, a web interface which you can um, embed in, in other platforms or, or switch to so you can run all the features of me too through through a web page Right. Uh, and as that develops, that you know, our latest incarnation that is called a presentation view, which actually allows you to control everything through the web page without going to your dashboard all on one one slide. And we see that developing to be in the solution for any presentation platform, you would be able to embed this in it. The reason we focused on PowerPoint in a different way, and where we've got a native integration, is because it is so widely used and. Uh, whilst a web-based solution can work on all these different presentations, having a, a native integration mm. deep within your desktop PowerPoint that just appears on the ribbon, allows you to convert the, the bullet points you've got, uh, make sure that your polling slides follow the same theme as everything else you've got in your PowerPoint presentation, and allows you just to email a presentation over with your polling results into someone that doesn't have that integration is really key to our customers. So. That's something we've invested a huge, huge amount of time in, and that's something we, we constantly get the feedback that the reason we have gone with you guys is because of your PowerPoint integration. Sure. Um, so that, that's why folks say. So I think we've decided to be the, the, the very best in um, a couple of areas rather than try and have a product that works in every single platform on that level. Well, it's in, again interesting you ask that because, again, preempting something that I've jotted down here is that fundamentally and i mean this as a compliment this is uh, a simple concept to understand uh, what you guys are offering is a very simple concept it, it's not overly complicated there are not eight or nine or ten different vertical strands and sections of the platform that you can pick and choose to use you know it does what it does and even though you said that you're constantly refining it to make the user interface more friendly and, and find ways of doing that do you think that fundamentally you're not going to change you're pretty much in a, in a space now that you're happy with what the product does and how it behaves and it's just a case of refining or is there anything that you know you would like to really develop and add on to to me too i think we've got lots lots of ideas that we'd like to add on to improve the experience and improve the core value of it so there will be things that are added in there's lots of exciting stuff in the pipeline but what we won't do is um come up with sort of left field gimmicky stuff or um, take our eye off who our real customers are. And I think that's something that we decided to, to really focus on. Now, one of the biggest uh, things that we have to talk about and the reasons that uh, people come to us is, is our, our independent reviews. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've rated 9.5 out, um, out of 10 on Trustpilot. Um, we're one of the only apps out there to be doing, asking for that kind of feedback. 
And it's all down to that. We're really, really close to our customers. It delivers the value they want. We understand what they need. We constantly work to understand what they need. And there's a lot of improvements can be made just within what we do. So we will have new features. New features are coming all the time. But what we don't want to do, and what we every time we do a, a product release webinar, and we have our customers on the line and talking to us through me too, they, they're kind of excited about something new coming, but saying it's not going to make it complicated, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to overcrowd my dashboard. It's not going to make it harder to train my staff. It's not going to make it harder for my participants to join in. And that's a value that we hold very close to our hearts. And we don't, um, yeah, we don't think we have made anything harder. We're just adding value. So, yes, the future is full of innovation and excitement. But I think it's um, within those, uh, within the boundaries of what we're trying to do. Absolutely. And if people want to find out more, uh, metoo.com uh, is the guy's website, M-E-E-T-O-O.com. Uh, for those of you watching the video, Pete will now show, you, uh, show us his T-shirt so that you've got that spelling absolutely accurate. Perfect. There we go. That's, that, that's, that's the money shot. That's what we wanted. Um, if you're listening to the audio version of today's podcast, hop over to eventindustrynews.com. You can watch a video of Pete and Sophie um, who've joined us and, and gone through today's podcast. Um, any other social media handles of uh, ways and means that guys can get hold of you? Yeah, it's, it's really easy. It's just simply at me too app. So M-E-E-T-O-O-A-P-P and that's across all platforms. So LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook. And again, in the background there, for those of you watching the video, you may notice a, sh a shiny event technology award, oh, yes. it looks like there. Uh, just remind us what category that was yeah. for again. The categories. Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay. uh, especially for audience participation. Audience participation. Finalists in uh, three categories this year. So uh, very excited about that. Conference technology, audience participation. And one other. So many you don't know what to do with now. So many don't know how to do with. And I suppose a, a little plug of Event Tech Live and the Event Tech Awards um, this November, uh, Old Truman Brewery and Troxy, respectively. Head over to uh, Event Tech Live uh, and the Event Tech Awards websites to find out more about those, those particular events. Um, and that brings us nicely. Um, and professionally to the end of today's uh, today's episode. It's almost like we have these things planned. Um, we, we've been joined today by Pete Eyre, MD, and Sophie Thomas, Marketing Manager for Me Too. Guys, thanks very much for joining the podcast today and talking to us. Thank you very much. No Thank you very much for having us. No problem. The podcast is brought to you by our own sponsor, Engage, powered by D2I Systems, winner of Best Event Management Platform at the 2017 Event Technology Awards. To learn how Engage can make your business more profitable, visit d2isystems.com forward slash engage. Eventindustrynews.com is the place to go to for up-to-date information on all the news, features and content that Event Industry News are putting out. And our own social media feeds, you can follow us at Event News Blog on Twitter or search for us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and by searching for Event Industry News, I'm sure you will find our feeds. Thanks again to, uh, to the guys for joining us on today's episode, and we will see you on next week's podcast. Thanks a lot and goodbye. Thank you very much. Thank you.